Matthew chapter 13 tonight. Matthew chapter 13 tonight. And um, I'm not going to keep you super long, but there are some things I want us to not just look at tonight, but to reinforce. I believe that repetition is a key factor in our learning. And it's important when it comes to learning things from God. But we also know that when it comes to spiritual things, you know, you can hear it over and over and over and over again, and that alone is not enough. There's a principle that is revealed to us in Scripture, and it says this, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor to build it labor in vain. And that doesn't just apply to construction. In other words, what he's saying there is whatever endeavor it is that you're going after, unless you allow the Lord to come alongside and help you, you're just spinning your wheels. And so tonight, as we have worshipped, what worship is at its very essence, at its very core, I mean the very word worship, involves you recognizing who God is and then who you are in relationship to him. From time to time I give you assignments and so I want to give you an assignment again tonight if I could. Start spending time preferably in the mornings. Now, you know, some people say, Pastor Mark, I'm not a morning person, so what's so special about the mornings? Well, it has to do with you giving God your first effort, your first fruits, Amen. how you start your day. You know, you, sometimes we have these expressions, got up on the wrong side of the bed, got up on the wrong foot. Well, if you'll begin your day, you know, by acknowledging God and setting your heart and mind, attention, affection upon him, then that's getting your day off on the best foot and on the best side of the bed that you will ever get up on, right? But if you'll just take a few minutes to, out of your mouth, acknowledge his greatness. Acknowledge how beautiful he is and how generous he is and how powerful he is. And, and just spend some time doing that See, that's acknowledging who he is. Then after you do that, begin to say things like, and I'm your son, and I'm seated with you, and you've got my back, and you're taking care of me. You're the potter, I'm the clay. You're my father, and I'm your son. You understand what I'm saying? See, in other words, you've done two things there. You've worshipped him in the sense that you've acknowledged who he is. But then you have also, in your own heart and mind, recognized that you're just beneath him. That you were made a little bit lower than him. That you're the object of his affection. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? Listen, it's a good thing to realize how wealthy he is and then realize how generous he is to you. Amen. Because he supplies all of our needs according to his riches in glory. Amen. To acknowledge things like Jesus was given for me, and he who spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how will he now not with Jesus back at his side freely give me all things? So 
we're talking about uh, acknowledging, setting our hearts and minds, attention and affection upon Him. Amen. And so one of the key ways that we do this is through His Word. I'll never forget, I, I started preaching when I was pretty young. Matthew had to drive me around. I didn't have a license yet. He would sing, I would preach, and we had a good time, right? And, and um, the Lord dropped this, you know, in my heart. And I, I uh, in those days, you know, I mean, just a rookie, you know, just a newbie trying to figure out how to do this thing called preaching. And, and um, I would listen, you know, I'd listen to men that I would love, you know, to hear preach, and I'd try to learn from them kind of how they did it and stuff, you know. And so, you know, preaching is sometimes about, you know, you kind of get on a roll or a run. You know, it's kind of like a singer. Matthew does it all the time on that trumpet. You know, he's, you know, well, sometimes preaching's like that, you know, when you just, you know. And so, you know, like if I would listen to some of these guys that could preach, you know, and they would like, Jesus is, and then they'd say something else, and Jesus is, something else, Jesus is, and you get the rhythm, you know, you know, so anyways, I, I would always, when I would write these sermons, I would try to come up with these things, and, and one of those things that I, you know, the Lord showed me early on is that he is his word, so you'll never be more committed to him than you're committed to his word, you'll never be more in love with him than you're in love with his word. You'll never spend more time thinking about him than you spend thinking about his word. In other words, if he is his word, then time spent in the word is time spent with him. You follow what I'm saying here? Because, you know, sometimes we think, well, you know, to be a good Christian, you need to read your Bible every day. No, Christianity is about fellowship with the Father. And you can fellowship with him through this word. My prayer for you is not that you will just hear the word tonight, but that you will experience him, the word. See, there's a big difference there, right? So when we set our hearts and minds, affections, attention, deliberately meditate on certain passages of his word, that is setting your heart, mind, meditating upon him, some aspect of him and of who he is, right? So we made a statement last Wednesday night, and I know some of you are probably thinking who were here, that that statement was, what does the word say? Well, that was another statement that we made. That's actually a question um, that we need to ask, right, in the middle of crises, in the middle of situations when we're, you know, being, you know, drawn away in our, in our thoughts and words and actions. But the other statement that we made is that every test, every trial, every temptation, that you have ever experienced in your life has been because of the word. It has been because of the word. Satan's devices against you all involve, number one, trying to keep you from ever hearing the word. Number two, if you hear the word, try to steal it from you before you understand it. Number three, if you hear it and understand it, it's going to begin to produce immediate results in your life. So then he adjusts his strategy. His strategy then is to start to apply pressure to you to try to get you to pull back from the word before that word has an opportunity to put down roots in your heart. So if he fails at that, 
he's going to try a third strategy. And the third strategy is he's going to try to bring up other things in your life alongside the word to try and choke out the effectiveness or the fruitfulness of the word. Okay? Now, let's read it. And um, the way this works in, um, as far as the technology aspects of what we do here is I build a sermon in my office, I then send it to a Dropbox in the cloud, and they retrieve it on that computer, I'm then able to control it from my iPad, okay? So it sounds really complicated. For the first time ever, the sermon that I sent to the cloud is hung up somewhere in the cloud, right? Now the Bible says that God will cover you with a shadow of his hand and that he'll put his word in your mouth so that he can plant the heavens. So there is a digital copy of this planting the heavens somewhere in the iCloud, all right? But we have the notes here in front, but we do not have slides for the screen. So follow along with me. Look on your neighbor's Bible. Matthew chapter 13, verse 19, it says this, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who receives seed, received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Notice closely that these things arise, pop up, in our lives because of the word. In other words, the devil's trying to either steal the word from you, pressure you into backing off the word, or keep you from ever hearing it. Now, let's keep reading. Verse 22. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. I like to say, make your life a hundred times, thirty times, sixty times, a hundred times better. Now, I know that this is a bold statement, and it's one that I have never made before. Some of these things, obviously, we circle back around to. The Holy Spirit leads us back to them. He shows us some more things about them. And, and um, when we first preached on this subject, it was back many, many years ago in a series that lasted a very long time called Test, Trials, and Temptations. This time, we're focusing more on the faith aspect of it, but alongside our understanding or developing a greater understanding of faith, the Holy Spirit's led us to bring alongside that teaching um, some things that we talked about in those days about test trials and temptations from the perspective that the tests the trials and the temptations are simply the pressures what's referred to by Jesus as persecution or tribulation and remember that in the parable the persecution and tribulation is represented by a bright you know hot sun that's beating down on a plant that's causing that plant to, to wither because it doesn't have roots deep enough yet to draw moisture from the soil to sustain it. Okay? Are you seeing this imagery? 
So the words um, have at their root the idea of, of simply pressure. Because people can sometimes go crazy, and I mean this, like they have lost their mind and never read a Bible crazy, when they start talking about test trials and temptations. And there's so much confusion about these things in the Word of God. Now, I made a statement last week. It's a statement I've never made before. I believe the Holy Spirit said this to me, and, and it's a bold statement, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it again tonight. I'm going to repeat it again tonight, and that is, not some, not most, but every single test, trial, and temptation that you have ever experienced, that you may be experiencing right now, or that you will experience in the future, has been really and truly about one thing and one thing only, the Word of God. Now, if that sounds way oversimplified to you, it might be because you haven't paused to consider the importance of God's Word in your life, okay? Now, first of all, we know that His words created the universe. And we know that His words created the world in which we live. And we know that His words, come on now, <laughs> created us, gave you and me life. Our very life is based upon words that Father God breathed out of His mouth. He gave us our assignment by speaking that assignment into us. Are you understand what I'm saying? In other words, when God speaks, he releases his breath. When God speaks, he releases his breath. The same breath that he breathed into the nostrils of a dirt and mud statue looking like, that looked like God but was named Adam, God breathed his breath of life into Adam's nostrils and Adam became a living being. And so every word that God speaks is saturated uh, with and carried by his breath. So his words are the words of life. His words are the words of spirit and life. And listen to me please very carefully. Everything in this created realm is subject to the word of God including devils and demons. When the Word made flesh was drawing close to an island where Satan had a stronghold in the form of a single man possessed with a legion of demons, demonic spirits in the atmosphere stirred up a violent storm trying to not just... I don't know if the devil thought he could kill Jesus yet or not. I don't know what he was thinking whether or not he was trying to drown them all, I don't, amen, we don't know that. But I'll tell you what he was doing, at least what he was doing, is he was trying to keep Jesus from getting to that demon-possessed man. And when Jesus told the storm to hush and lay down, he stepped out of the boat onto that island, and when he did, the demonically-possessed man up in the hills, the demons begin to scream and holler and tremble, begging him not to torment them or punish them before it was their due time. You say, but Pastor Mark, that was Jesus. No, that was the Word. That was the Word. That was the Word made flesh. That was Jesus. Yes, but Jesus is the Word made flesh. So I want to say it again. Everything in this created realm is subject to the word of God. 
This is why the devil tries so hard to keep you from ever hearing the word. And then once you hear it, he tries so hard to keep you from ever understanding it. You know, after all, let's don't get carried away with all this Bible stuff. We don't be a Bible thumper. He, all, there is such tremendous pressure. I've said it before, but you can remember a song, a joke, a story you heard six years ago, but can't remember the text from the last sermon you heard two days ago. It's because the enemy is trying to keep you from hearing, and if you hear, he's trying to keep you from understanding, and if you understand, he's trying to keep you from continuing in the Word. I had a conversation today with a friend of mine along these lines, and they were asking me some questions about this, and, and this is one of the ways that the Lord led me to, to explain it, okay, and I'm going to go back to it. Tonight, if I was to spend, and I know, praise God, it's already after eight, so let me just finish this up. But tonight, if, if I was to, um, I'm not going to do it, so don't panic, but I'm just kidding. But if tonight, for the next, say, 30 minutes, I just um, showed you what the word, of, what does the word say, right? If I was to show you what the word of God has to say about giving and giving offerings, and there's three different financial gifts the Bible lays out. Tithe is 10% of your income, your increase. Offering is anything you give above and beyond that. And alms, alms are things that you give to other people in need. So three different kinds. So I could take and go through the Word of God and lay all that out for you, Old Testament, New Testament, show to you, show you why the tithe is still a part of New Testament Christianity, even though it was first revealed in the Old Testament, how that was a part of Abraham's covenant where children of Abraham, Abraham initiated the tithe. I could, I could go through all of that. Listen to me, please. All of that. And if you listen to the word, because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, you would, you would hear that word, and that word would stir up in you faith. Okay? Are you following what I'm saying? And I'm not saying you get out your checkbook, but something in you would demand a response. In other words, somewhere in you, you would say, you know what, um, now I'm trying to do this without having actually gone through all those verses, but I'm telling you, if you don't believe me, just hear me. Something in you would say, well, I'm not going to write the check now, but we need to do this. I mean, we need to get our financial house in order, and at some point we need to, in other words, it would motivate you in some way to action. I could do the same thing with fasting. Right? You ever heard somebody teach on fasting? Ever read a book on fasting? Man, you read what the Word of God says about fasting in a concentrated way. Have that Word sewn into your heart. Dude, you'll be ready to push the plate back for six months. I mean, it's like, dude, I'm fixing to fast longer than any human beings ever fasted on planet Earth. I'm coming after you, Jesus. You set a mark at 40 days. I'm going for 50. You know what I mean? You'll be so motivated, right? Again, because you heard. Now, the devil doesn't ever want you to know anything that God said about money. He don't want you to ever know anything that God said about prayer. He don't want you to ever hear anything God said about the power that's released when a man or a woman fasts, turns down the plate, uh, and, and concentrates themselves and focuses themselves on God. He never wants you to hear that. But, you know, just in our imaginations, I just explain all of that to you in about an hour and a half. And you have heard it, and it has, you've received it, okay? And you've understood it, and now you're motivated to do it, right? So this is what he's talking about. Don't understand it, steal it. In other words, if you sit there fasting, hungry, difference, what? Didn't understand that devil steal that from me real quick. But if you plug in and the Holy Spirit helps me and you working together, 
and he brings you to a place of understanding these things, the next step in your heart is going to be to grab hold of it, take the ball and run with it, so to speak. All right? Now, so what's the devil going to do? You get all ready and excited. That's it, man. I mean, you know, today is Wednesday. Who starts a fast on a Wednesday? Monday morning. Right? And so, well, so Monday morning it is, right? And then Monday morning comes and you're determined. I mean, you've already told your wife, look, don't, don't cook a big supper tonight because we're fasting, right? Okay, yeah, we're fasting, right? Okay. So then about 10.30 Monday morning, <laughs> stomach starts growling, head starts hurting because you've been drinking so much caffeine. You start getting a little dizzy, you know, and you start talking. It's like, God, look, I'm trying here, sir, but... You know, I'm no good to my employer in this shape. And it, there was, so, but what's happening, see, here comes the pressure. Here comes the pressure. Because what the devil's trying to do is you grabbed hold of something, and now he's trying to apply the pressure to you to get you to turn loose of it. Like, oh, hold on a second here now. You know, well, I, you know, I got carried away with this thing. I mean, you know. I fasted breakfast, and we're going to eat at 11 today. Okay, and that's our, you know, and I'm, I'm not making light of that. I'm just, I'm just using this as an example. I'm just trying to show you, okay? And so this is how the enemy works. He never wants you to hear a thing about it, but if you do, he's going to try to steal it before you understand it. But if you understand it, and you make a move towards it, even if that move is, I'm going to do this, okay, and then begin to do it, he's going to try to get you to turn loose of that word, to disconnect the word of God from the faith in the soil of your heart so that that seed will never have the opportunity to germinate. But if it germinates and starts springing up, right, he's going to try to put pressure on it before the roots ever sink deep. Now, what I believe the roots sinking deep are is this. It's when you endure the pressure and you push on through and you experience the benefit you experience the benefit. I'm not telling you this to brag, I'm just telling you, okay? I have roots in fasting. I have roots in tithing. What do I mean by that? I've pushed through the urge not to do it by faith. I've held on to it. That's called endurance. It says they only endured for a while. Did you hear that? Did you read that? Did you follow that? They only endured for a while, meaning they held on, they held on, held on as long as they could, and then they turned loose, okay? Well, when you hold on and hold on and hold on as long as you can and then just keep holding on, all right, you will push through into an area of fruitfulness and results, right? You hear what I'm saying? Let's, let's land this plane and I'll land it here with one that's a little maybe less threatening to you than fasting or tithing, all right? If you don't believe what I'm saying, read everything the Bible has to say about one of those things and see if you're not at least more motivated to do it than you were yesterday, okay? But here's one of my favorites, okay? The joys of salvation are greater than the pleasures of sin. The joys of salvation are greater than the pleasures of sin. Now, I could say that 55 more times, and, and you could hear it 55 more times, and every time you hear it, you could say in your heart, man, that's right, Pastor Mark, that's right, Pastor Mark, that's right, Pastor Mark. But see, you will never have roots in that truth until you consistently experience the joys of salvation. And until you hold on to that truth by faith long enough to experience the result of it firsthand in your life, right? 
then it's, it's just going to be something that you hear in theory. And the, and the enemy's going to try to always make you feel deprived. He's always going to try to make you feel like that although living for Jesus is what you ought to do, what you need to do, what you should do, it was so much more enjoyable living according to the pleasures of sin. So therefore, you're having to sacrifice and give up and do without and miss out and poor pitiful me because I'm having to struggle along living for Jesus. When the reality of it is living for him and the joys of living for him are so much more and so much better than any pleasure sin has to offer even in a brief moment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's so much better than any pleasure sin could produce uh, even in a brief moment. So, but again, you can hear that and something inside of you because it's a statement of truth and faith responds to truth. So you hear that and faith in your heart says, man, pastor, I, yes, 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 okay? But until you keep going after the joys of salvation when the pleasures of sin are trying to pull you back into um, their grasp, hoodwink you into choosing a different path. Until you push through all that by faith, and that's endurance. That's what the whole Bible, that's what the Word's talking about, enduring. When you grab the Word and Satan tries to wrestle it away from you through all kinds of different situations, scenarios, test trials, temptations, pressure, pressure, more pressure, and you just refuse to turn loose. You refuse to turn loose. All right, I got to finish this. So, if he can't get you to turn loose and you push through and you put some roots and you start to experience the benefit, the next thing he's going to try to do is basically distract you away from the word with other things. And we have it in Matthew and I think it's also in Mark and may even be in Luke, but if you look at the different gospel writers um, versions of this parable, you actually come up not with two, but with three things that grow up around the word and eventually choke it out. Those three things are these three things. The cares of this life, cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. Okay? Now, tonight, and, and you guys know that I always do this, okay? Um, in other words, we're, we're all members of the same family. We are, the, we are the family of faith that is assembling here tonight at a building that goes by the name Heritage Christian Center. These, this floor and these walls is not the church. Every man and woman in this room, you're the church. Okay? And so rarely, if ever, do I address people who come to Heritage, people who are from the foundry. Okay? But I'm doing this strategically tonight. I'm not, I'm not asking, I'm not trying to offend you, I'm just trying to show you. Because no matter where you are, where you've been, where you come from, who you are, these three things will always apply. Now, what I've seen so many times at Heritage and at the Foundry is this. People come in desperate need, they grab hold of the word, they hold on to the word, the word begins to make a difference in their lives. And then slowly but surely, see, it takes a while for something to grow up around something good and choke it out. You follow what I'm saying? So I call that a slow fade. Now, if I could for just a moment address this directly to 
our foundry brothers and sisters tonight. Because as our foundry brothers and sisters, for those of you who are not real familiar with the program, you know, I tell them this all the time, and for those of you at Heritage who don't know this, these men and women have committed 12 months of their life to find the answers that God has for them and to live the life that God has before them. And um, to me, you know, it's, it's one of the biggest commitments. And um, I mean, for those of you who just try to imagine, you know, stepping aside from your life for 12 months. So it's a huge commitment. And um, at, the, at approximately the nine month point, um, they have an opportunity to go what we call third phase or, or non-residential, where they don't want to live at the foundry, but they're still connected with the foundry. So men, ladies, what, think about how this applies to you, because, and I'm saying this for a lot of reasons, number one, so that these people who love all of you and pray for you and support you can understand this. So you walk away from your life for nine months, and then the nine month part point is approaching, and you've been going after Jesus, you've been coming to discipleship class, life groups, change groups, counseling, chapel services, praying for other people, going to schools and ministering. I mean, it's just amazing. You know, I tell them they're students in Bible college. I don't think of them as, as people in a recovery program. And, but now all of a sudden, we got to get back to what some would call the real world. What's the first thing that happens? See, here's the strategy of the enemy. The cares of the life, the cares of this life. I don't have a car. Deceitfulness of riches. I need to go make some money. Desires for other things. These walls are closing in on me. I'm ready for something different. You follow what I'm saying? See how the enemy tries to take, because you, look, I think everybody here knows this. These men don't have to be here tonight. Some of these men were up at 4 o'clock this morning, have worked all day, then came and sat in a two-hour class, and then came in here, and worship. Are you, are you asking what I'm saying? They don't have to be here. They're here because they want to be. They're here because they're hungry for God. They're here because God's got a call on their life. And it's one of the, I'm telling you, I think this family of faith understands my heart in all of this. But to me, because you guys could be at, 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 in bed, watching TV, lifting weights, at some other church. So it honors the Lord, but it also honors me and this family of faith that you guys choose to come and help us do what we do here. Amen. We're in this together. So that's why I'm not comfortable talking about us as foundry and heritage because we're all the body of Christ. But I'm, I just want to address this, brothers, because you have worked so hard. You have grabbed hold of Jesus and not turned loose of him. As, as many times as the devil told you to walk out the door, you didn't. As many opportunities that you had to quit and many justified reasons in your mind to leave the program early, you didn't, right? You held on and the word of God is producing amazing results in your lives and families. So now the enemy's going to try a different strategy. All right, enough of this Jesus stuff. It's time to make some money. Enough of this Jesus stuff. It's time to move on to what's next. Enough of this Jesus stuff. You've got other things, responsibilities now, the cares of this life that need to be taken care of. Listen, he knows what those cares are. And he's planted his word in all of our hearts, right? So that we can have what we need in life and do what he's put us on this earth to do. Do not let the enemy steal the word from you. 
Do not let him stop you from going after the word. Do not let him put pressure on you and cause you to turn loose of the word as you continue to grow in it. And do not, do not allow other things. I'm speaking to all of us, myself included now. Do not let the desire for other things, the cares of this life, and the deceitfulness of riches choke out what is becoming very productive and fruitful in your life up to this point. Amen? All right, stand with me. Let me pray for you. Praise God. Oh, Father, what a Wednesday. And we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for fruitfulness. We thank you for productivity, Lord. We thank you that, that we've done things today. Every person in this room, Lord, we've done things with the, with the sweat of our brow and the work of our hands, Father, um, that have made a difference in the life of somebody else. Lord, in the things that we've said, the things that we've done, the life that we've lived, our very presence in this room tonight, Father, has, has helped create an atmosphere and an environment in this room, Lord, where hearts and lives can be drawn to you and touched and changed. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Father, for teaching us to treasure your word and the wisdom of your word. Father, you said to us in your word that you prefer your word even above your name. You put it in a category above yourself. In other words, you submit yourself to your own words. So, Father, teach us now the value of it. Teach us now, Lord, what Satan is really trying to do how he's trying to manipulate, how he's trying to deceive, how he's trying to draw us away from the word and in the process cut us off from our ability to hear from you and continue to grow and move forward in the life that you have for us to live. Father, I declare over every person in this room that no weapon from the enemy formed against them will prosper. No weapon formed against our family, no weapon formed against our family of faith will prosper. We thank you, Father, for the rest of this week. May everything we put our hands to prosper for your glory and to the glory of your name, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Praise God. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. Thank you.